Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. The fourth commandment is the first commandment that outlines our relationship to other people. And it gives the basis for all human authority. The home. Father and mother. The home was, after all, the first estate established by God. Uh, when God joined Adam and Eve together and created the first economy, the economy of the home. And from the home, from the vocation, the authority of husband and wife, mother and father, comes the uh, estates and authorities of the society or the state and the church. We call these three areas of authority, state, home, and church, the three estates derived from the fourth commandment. Now, God gave Adam the responsibility to be a steward over everything, to protect it and to be uh, its pastor, to be the pastor to his wife, Eve. And it wasn't a burden. Adam did this purely out of love, God's love for him. But soon Adam failed in his duty. He didn't protect Eve from the devil, nor remind her of God's promise to her, even as she's taking the fruit. In fact, Adam takes some from her and he eats. Now Eve, on her part, had failed to, to listen to her husband's prior admonitions, uh, and so she usurped Adam's stewardship. And so the fall into sin happens, and all human estates uh, all authority is now corrupt. And the curse then upon both of them is exactly what they did. For man, his labor, his work will now be a burden. He will be tempted constantly to laziness and to shirk his responsibilities in the home, states, and the church. Leaders will always fail and fall. And no matter how much work he does, eventually everything he does will end in death. For woman, she will now be tempted to covet the authority and office of her husband, of man. And her labor, childbirth, will be painful, difficult, uh, even sometimes end in death. And of course, one of the sad results of the fall is that some women will bear the cross of being unable to have children. But it's actually in this in childbirth, that God promises to redeem not just the three estates of home, society, and church, not just the vocation of motherhood or fatherhood, but all of humanity. Immediately after the fall, God gives the first gospel promise. We call it the Proto-Evangelion. The promise that a son born from a woman would crush the devil's head. Now, we can look back on this, and we see that this is an obvious allusion to Mary, whom we heard about in our gospel lesson. But Eve wasn't so sure. In fact, when she gives birth to her firstborn son, Cain, she says, I have acquired a man, the Lord. Uh, now, our ancient, uh, some of our old theologians, uh, including Luther himself, uh, viewed this as Eve, thinking that Cain was the Lord incarnate. Eve was ready to make this Christmas. 
This was the fulfillment of God's promise of the son, of the seed from the woman. But we know how this turns out. Cain wasn't the promised one. That Cain killed his brother Abel. And so he, does, he dishonors not only his parents, but dishonors and forsakes the highest authority, the Lord. But God wasn't done. He would save the world through childbirth. He would honor this estate that he has made. The Old Testament is this story. The Old Testament is not just a, a bunch of, of rituals and rules. It is this story of a miraculous birth. And in fact, there are six miraculous births in the Old Testament. Can you think of who they are? And these Old Testament births, these six births, define Old Testament history. Number one, Isaac. Isaac is born to, uh, miraculously to old Abraham and Sarah who are well past childbearing age. Two, Jacob and Esau are born to barren Rebekah. And in both of these cases, we, we get a glimpse of the restoration of the estate of the home and fatherly and motherly authority. Isaac, who, who obeyed his father, even as he is about to be sacrificed by him, and Jacob and Esau, who initially disobeyed their parents and tricked them into getting uh, uh, an inheritance, but then came back and reunited their family. Number three, barren Rachel from the city of Bethlehem Ephrathah gives birth miraculously to Joseph. Four, Samson is miraculously born of Manoah and his barren wife. And in both of these, we get the restoration of the estate of society, the state. Joseph is sold as a slave, becoming lower than his brothers, but eventually becomes second in control of all of Egypt and honoring and saving not just his father, but even the pagan king or father of Egypt, Pharaoh. And Samson, well, he dies with his arms tied up, outstretched saving his people from the Philistines. Number five, Baron Hannah, who prayed for years that God would give her a son, miraculously conceives and gives birth to Samuel, who is dedicated to the service of the church and honors and obeys even wicked priest Eli. And finally, number six, and this is technically part of the Old Testament, Old Elizabeth, the cousin of Mary, and the wife of priest Zechariah, miraculously gives birth to a new priest and prophet, John the Baptist. And in both Samuel and John, we begin to see the restoration of the estates of the church. But it's not complete yet, the restoration of these three estates. And so finally we get one more, a seven, when all of God's work will be done, Mary. Like all the other women before her, Mary conceives in a most miraculous way through the word of the angel Gabriel by the power of the Holy Spirit. The son conceived in Mary will be prophet, priest, and king. He will restore all three estates in a way that no one else could 
but in a way that all those miraculous births had prior foreshadowed. Now, we in America, Protestant Christianity in America, uh, has long been afraid to talk about Mary. You know, we don't want to hold her up too high. We don't want to become Romish. And as a result, we, we actually miss out on the beautiful things that Mary shows to us. And we miss out how much God himself actually honored Mary. And through God's Son being conceived in her, how all women are honored. Three times Mary is called blessed. Blessed because she was chosen to be the mother of God. But if you'd ask Mary, if you'd actually ask Mary, which Luke actually does, she says that this has nothing to do with her. She sings, my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior because he has looked with favor on the humble state of his servant, the lowly state of his servant. While others call her blessed, she calls herself lowly. And what a stark contrast to our time. When we are tempted incredibly with self-fulfillment. You know, we don't want to hear what God has made us, the vocations God has placed us in. We want to make something of ourselves. You know, our pop culture actually encourages young people to despise their parents, not to honor them. And worse, our society says that the vocation of motherhood, especially, is something to be avoided and shunned. It's a disease, not something to be honored. We take the natural good things of God and, and we make them unnatural or worse, bad, evil. There was a study done recently that found that, that teenage girls seeking gender surgery in America triple in one year alone. Ten years ago, this was absolutely unheard of for this age group. This is not a natural change. What has changed is that our society says you don't need to honor your father and your mother anymore because they're old, they're out of touch, they're naive. Instead, you should listen to people with influence, with thousands of followers, social media influencers, who say that if you're not comfortable in your own skin, well, you're, you're probably not meant to be in that skin. And our public institutions, even our own public school, encourages this and in so doing, steals the God-given authority and vocation of father and mother and takes it for itself. We don't want to hear what God has made us. We want to make something of ourselves. We want to be praised for everything. We want to be the best. We want to be honored among men. We want to be the greatest among women. We are obsessed with self-esteem. Last week I spoke to the men through John the Baptist. Well, today Mary has something to say to the ladies. Your value is not found in whatever other people think of you. It's not even found in how you think of yourself. Our society's pat answer for, for this, uh, for, for better self-esteem, is, is just to embrace yourself and be who you think you should be. But that's not actually going to change the fact that you live in a sinful world and that you too suffer from the curse of the fall. Instead, 
you have real value, like Mary. Because God has looked upon you. God has looked upon the lowly state of his maidservant. He who has mighty, who, he, he who is mighty, has done great things for you. And holy is his name. He has scattered the proud in the imagination, the thoughts of their hearts. Those who thought they could find fulfillment in their own positive self-talk, self-image, will be left in confusion. Those who are mighty and rich in worldly things, the powerful, will be brought low. But the lowly will be exalted. The hungry will be filled. The barren will conceive. And all in need of help will be shown mercy. You have real value, not simply because you think you do, but because God says you do. Jesus loves you so much that he became conceived in a young woman just like you. And so trust that God does actually have a plan for you and a purpose. And that purpose may not correspond to being exactly what you want. It may not correspond to being somebody rich and famous and influencer. But it will probably correspond to something better. Being a wife, being a mother, raising children, bearing the love of Jesus to someone else. And this is actually good. The vocation of motherhood is greater than being a queen. The vocation of wife is the highest estate. Mary is not defined by what others think of her. There's a reason no one is able to find room for her to give birth in a house. Rather, she is defined by the gospel. She is defined by her Savior. She is honored by her Savior, her Son, the gospel incarnate in her womb. And just, just think, this is, this is something that we can't even comprehend. This is so amazing. We just, we're just asked to ponder it as Mary does to adore this. Mary is actually the mother of God. God who created Mary is conceived within her. God is taking on flesh. That perfect and holy flesh is growing from Mary. Christ, even as he is growing within Mary's womb, is at the same time sanctifying Mary's womb. He is sanctifying the flesh and blood he is receiving from her. He is purifying Mary. Now, Mary wasn't without sin, but she was purified just as we are through Jesus. And this is why St. Paul can hold up the unique differences between man and woman as a virtue and then say that women are saved in childbearing if they continue in faith. Because that's exactly what Jesus, being miraculously conceived and born of woman, has done. Christ has undone the curse of the fall for Eve. And this means that all of us, not just mothers, all of us, we all have Christ conceived and born in our hearts through faith. We, too, miraculously give birth to the fruit of the Spirit. Even if we cannot give birth naturally, Christ is born of us. The ancient church fathers said, 
to everyone. When he is reborn, the water of baptism is like the virgin's womb. For the same Holy Spirit fills the font who filled the womb of the virgin. For that sin which the sacred conception overthrew may be taken away by this mystical washing. Your baptism has made you a child of God, a child of paradise, as you say. The Almighty God became poor and lowly to raise us up to his divine glory, to raise us up to heaven. He took the flesh of Mary in order to regain through that flesh all that Adam and Eve lost in the fall. Christ fulfills the fourth commandment, honoring and sanctifying his own mother. Fourth commandment is also the first commandment with a promise. Honor your father and mother that it may go well with you and that you may live long on the earth. Christ, who honored every authority, who honored his mother and father, ironically did not live long on the earth, nor did things go well for him, already from his birth in Bethlehem. But by his conception, he trades places with us, with you. He takes the curse, he takes our curse, and he gives us the promise. It will go well with us, it will go well with you because God has looked upon us with favor. We will live forever because Christ was born and died in our place. And so we say with Mary, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen.